You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today it is the final Pacers preseason meaningless game extravaganza against the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are very much treating this game like a preseason game. We will get to that momentarily, and then very soon after that game, maybe even before that game, maybe the next day, we'll see the Pacers have to cut some guys. Their season deadline uh, for getting their roster down to 17, so 15 plus two two two-way guys, is coming up very quickly, so they got to figure out what they're going to do there. And then the Pacers will have played four preseason games as of tomorrow, we're going to run through some interesting stats, mostly just the traditional stats, and talk about you know kind of what we learned about their play style and, and what these stats kind of tell us about this team and their focus so far. It's only preseason, but it's something. Uh, we're learning more about this team every day and how they're playing under Rick Carlisle. We will learn more against the Cavs tonight, so let's start there. They already played the Cavs last Friday. They won 109-100, handled the Cavs mostly because... Malcolm Brogdon was amazing. He had 27 points on 14 shots. Brogdon uh, is doubtful. That is an upgrade from his out status from the last preseason game. Uh, I might just butt in and say, why play him at all if he's hurting a little bit? Just hold him out. Preseason starts next week. Make sure he's 100% by then. But he is listed as doubtful. Keelan Martin, who was out last game, he's a hamstring injury. He is also listed as doubtful. And then the, the other guys with injuries, Levert and Warren and Holiday, they're all out. On the Cavs side, the interesting note from Evan Damarell, who hosts Lockdown Cavs, covers the Cavs for Facebook Bulletin, uh, that he, Bickerstaff, J.B. Bickerstaff said earlier this week, he wants to play the regular rotation guys about six to eight minutes and then let the guys who haven't had as much opportunity play from there on out against the Pacers. So I think we'll see a normal first quarter from the Cavs in this game and then a different rest of the game. But, you know, this is the first time from the Pacers that we will get to see Rick Carlisle adjust, right? We saw how he coached and what he emphasized against the Cavs the first time they played, right? They did a very good job, you know, getting up the threes. They had 39 of them. They had a bunch at halftime there. Uh, 50 rebounds. They made a nice emphasis on the offensive glass where they had 13 offensive rebounds. Cavs only had six, right? Those kind of things went well. You could see what who they were running it through, right? Sabonis so had the ball a lot in that game. Uh, he was also great on the glass, uh, especially in transition. Turner even had the ball a lot in that game. Brogdon obviously had the ball a lot. So what kind of adjustments do they make? We'll learn a little bit about how Carlisle views a previous matchup versus another matchup because you know, even if it's just the same game plan with different players, that still tells us that Rick kind of believes in the system he has and the players he has to execute it versus if we see some drastic changes or some reactionary changes, we'll know, okay, he didn't like what he was doing last time or, okay, he saw what the Cavs were doing. They have film from seven days ago, and he, and he adjusted in that way. And we know Rick Carlisle is a brilliant tactician. They're not going to play the same way any two games, really. But we'll learn a little bit, I think, about how he how he views uh, tape from one game and how he applies it to another game, whether it's, okay, we just didn't do what we do well in that last game or, okay, something we're doing doesn't work against this team. We need to change that. And I think we'll learn a little bit about that here now. They had Brogdon last time. They will not have Brogdon this time. They had Keelan Martin last time, and normally that's a throwaway line, but he was actually very good in the fourth quarter of that game, so that is kind of noteworthy. So they might have to change stylistically how they handle their rotation and what kind of shots they're chasing. But in general, we will learn a little bit 
about how Rick Carlisle adjusts from one game to the next against one team, which is always noteworthy. I, uh, I'll be curious to see uh, what he decides to do, what stylistic changes he makes, and how that impacts the way the Pacers play in this basketball game. And another thing I'll be personally watching in this game on the offensive side of the ball is TJ McConnell, uh, specifically. And we talked on yesterday's podcast uh, after the Grizzlies game about how in the preseason he's he's had this weird thing where you know he had that last year he had that five to eight footer falling away jumper that it looked really awkward and it seemed like a shot that should be inefficient but he nailed it like fifty five to sixty percent of them went in that's a very efficient shot you can shoot that whenever you want if you can hit it at that rate go for it and then in the preseason so far he has not barely taken any of those it feels like and he's taking a ton more threes not a ton that's a stretch but he took four against the Cavs for example right. So last week in that Cavs game when Brogdon started, he took 14 shots. 11 of them were from two-point range. Tons of floaters. He was getting into the paint. He was probing, creating for himself, a little bit for others. He had three assists, not too many. So McConnell's still been excellent creating for his teammates, right? And I think that will be a constant for him his whole career, his whole time with the Pacers, you name it. One of the best creating backup point guards for his teammates in the league. But... His shot and his and the way he is hunting for points has been a little different this preseason. And I want to watch him specifically because now he'll be with the starters again, assuming Brogdon doesn't play, which that is my assumption. Uh, and Brogdon, we saw against the Cavs, you know, Garland and Sexton, they're, they're good players at certain things, uh, defending at the point of attack, not necessarily either of their strong suits. Ricky Rubio is a little better at that, and that's who McConnell had to deal with more often. So in the first quarter, especially when the Cavs are playing their starters, McConnell could be able to get into the paint, into that spot where... He's so good at scoring. We've seen him be very efficient inside the arc from that spot. I'll be curious to see if he gets more of those looks up uh, or if, you know, maybe it's an edict from Carlisle that, you know, you don't take this shot uh, as much. Let, let's pivot to other shots. Or let's try to get you passing a little bit more. Uh, I, you know, that's not a bad thing necessarily. It just depends on what the alternative shots are. But, I mean, McConnell made that well enough that you'd think he would just go to it every so often. And we haven't seen it very much, so... I'll be looking to see if he can kind of get the same space as Brogdon did and then convert those chances into good scoring opportunities because McConnell's been great at everything McConnell's great at in the preseason except for that. Pretty much that is where uh, he's been the weakest. Something else I'll be watching out for in this game, this has been a preseason long trend for the Pacers. Their second unit defense has not been very good. It's been very interesting because it's not that their second unit defense was ever bad in years past, but it's not something you thought would be a problem with just slight roster tweaks, you know, it, it's weird. The Cavs second unit, Ricky Rubio had a wonderful game. Lowry Markinen had a nice game. Dean Wade had a nice game. Dylan Windler had an excellent game, especially the three point defense of the second unit. But really just in general, the second unit's defense has not been very good. They're going against the Cavs team that will be playing their second unit quite a bit. So can the Pacers second group come in? and play cohesively on the defensive end. Isaiah Jackson has had some nice defensive moments, but still struggles away from the ball. Brad Wanamaker's defense has not been awesome. O'Shea Brissett hasn't played that much, right? They've mixed and matched with their second unit in general, but like with Justin Holiday out, they had Dwayne Washington in with the second unit a little bit against Memphis. His defense was really, really rough that game. Jeremy Lamb, despite being better on offense so far in the preseason than last year, defense still has a stride to make uh, to, to catch up to about average. So, that unit has not been good on defense. That's been a big reason that the Pacers have given up some big runs uh, this preseason. I think every game they've played, they've given up a big run at some point. So that's something I'll be watching for, too, is can that group clean up their defense a little bit, especially their three-point defense? That's something they've been particularly bad at to me uh, as we've watched this Pacers team 
throughout the preseason. The last thing is in this Cavs game, maybe the Exhibit 10 guys get their last burn with the team. I'll be curious to see what we see from them. But just does anyone cement a role in this game? Right, This is their last preseason game. Everything after this is real. And Rick Carlisle is not going to mess around with experimenting. He's going to say this is the 9 or 10 guys playing the right minutes that I think can win this game. This is your last chance for any Pacers player, right? Look what Sam Merrill just did for the Grizzlies, for example, on Wednesday. He had 30 points, looked awesome, scoring inside the arc in the fourth quarter, hit a bunch of threes the whole game, right? He might not have made the team for Memphis now. He probably will, I think. Uh, And maybe he'll sneak in that third point guard role for them, right? He could sneak up on Tyus Jones now. Like, he didn't have that option probably as clearly as he did before that game as he does now, right? So if you're a guy like Torrey Craig, who's starting for because so many guys are hurt above you, uh, can you you know really put your mark on this game against the Cavs and show like, yes, in the right situation, I can be really helpful for you, Rick Carlisle. And then when the regular season comes, Carlisle is a little more willing to go to a guy like Torrey Craig or Brad Wanamaker maybe. Can he have a really nice game and show that he should be like the 11th or 12th man in the rotation? Gogo Batadze, same deal. He was in the rotation against Memphis. Can he have a really nice game, show that he deserves backup center minutes when the season opens? O'Shea Brissett's in this group as well. Isaiah Jackson. Basically everybody but the top six or seven healthy guys. Can they show something that makes you go, yes, okay, when, when game one comes in Charlotte next Wednesday, Rick Carlisle is for sure going to say, I liked what I saw from you in the preseason. I played you in the preseason because I thought you were good in practice. I'm going to roll with you to start the season. And I think if you get the spot to start the season, you know, McMillan did not do this, but other most coaches will will try their idea for more than one game so that they'll have a chance to prove what they can do at that point. So it's a big opportunity for those guys to step up in this Cavs game. It's going to be I can't really talk about any individual matchups without knowing how J.B. Bickerstaff is going to handle his rotation. Or the Cavs, he has, again, like I said, already talked about the fact that their starters won't be playing as much. So it's hard to exactly say what we're going to see there. But uh, in terms of just general things, adjustments, uh, TJ McConnell shot profile, second unit defense, and then just anyone who doesn't have a perfectly defined role right now really stepping up. Those are the things in this final preseason game that will make me walk away going, okay, I, I learned a lot about the Pacers from this or from that, and, and, and we can... Talk about this team more effectively next week because of that. Let's pivot and talk about the Pacers preseason so far. What have we kind of seen from them stylistically in terms of how they're playing? What does that tell us about how Rick Carlisle wants to play? But first, let's take a short little break and talk about two awesome groups of people. First up, the great folks over at Price Picks. They have the best NBA DFS prop games on the market. They offer more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game prize picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns even interceptions thrown all of your users that deposit and use your promo code will receive a hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars just be sure to use the promo code mba when you sign up you pick two to five players and an over under on their projections you can win up to 10 times on any entry it's just you versus the projected numbers prize picks Allows mixed sport entries, too, so use the award-winning app on the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com. Use the promo code MBA or go to your App Store. Download that app today. PrizePix is fantasy made easy. All right. We are back and rolling. Talking about the Pacers preseason, what we've seen from the team so far. Thank you for making Lockdown Pacers your first 
listen today. And a reminder for those of you listening via your usual podcast listening platforms, thank you. And if you would like to, we're on YouTube if you want to check out us on there and see my beautiful face as I look around my many tabs to figure out these thoughts. So let's talk about the Pacers in the preseason. So there's been some interesting standout-ish stats. I was going to talk about threes a little bit, but they only took 25 in their last game. The Pacers are down to 14th in three-point attempts per game. And I think 36, given their personnel, uh, three-point attempts per game is about the right number. Um, so, you know, I, I'm okay with that. Sorry if you hear a clicking sound. Um, I'm okay with that number. Personally, as someone who watches the team, I think that that would fit what they do stylistically, though I think they might end the season a little higher than that. Nothing too noteworthy for me on that number. But the next number, 18 free throw attempts per game. That's 23rd, quite low, uh, in the league. And, you know, they don't have a lot of of awesome foul-drawing players. Like, I understand why they're that low. And if you go look at Dallas last year, that Dallas was 20th last year at 21.2, despite having a stud in Luka Doncic. So I think the, the Carlisle system of movement, read, react, and, and run all these nice screens and get guys open and just do it, you know, run your offense quickly and, and make smart decisions is really good. And he's gotten a lot out of teams that he shouldn't get a lot out of. But it also doesn't really cater to foul shooting very well, and that's a great way to get efficient points. Uh, and so, at least with Luca last year, he had a guy who could really, you know, get to the line at times, put his stamp on the game, draw a foul. The Pacers, I mean, Sabonis can a little bit, but we've talked about how he needs to be a little better at that. The Pacers don't have that guy. They might be a bottom five team in free throw attempts per game this season. Uh, which is concerning, right? That That's an easy way to get easy points uh, at the free throw line. So that's something I think the Pacers need to make a little bit more of a concerted effort to to get to uh, in the regular season, just purely looking statistically. And they've only played three games. You know, these are pretty small sample size stats in general, but we're just talking about style. And beyond any individual performance, we've we've seen in data studies in the past that that the way teams play tends to actually carry over from preseason to regular season pretty well in a way that you can you can kind of read into stats and translate it, and that's what kind of made me want to dig into this. Let's talk about a positive stat from the Pacers, and a lot of fans who have been clamoring for this for years should be happy about this. Sixth in the league in rebounds per game, 49.3 rebounds per game. Now, there's been a lot of shot attempts in Pacers games in general, right? They're, they're in the top half of the league in field goal attempts, so there's a few more rebounding opportunities, but just in general, their rebounding rate is much Better than last year. That was something they absolutely stunk at last year, right? And there's there's a multitude of reasons why, but I'll run through two of them really quick. One is Torrey Craig, and the other is Chris Duarte. Uh, the Pacers rebounding from guards last year was atrocious, right? They had probably had the worst group of rebounding guards in the league. I've talked about that on the show very often. I should just say backcourt players because it extends to some forwards. But uh, Lloyd Pearson, I talked about this with Torrey Craig. You know, the the appeal for him is defense for sure, but. Lloyd Pierce coached Torrey Craig with Team USA on the select team out in Vegas in 2019. And when I asked him about Torrey Craig, he said something we asked him to do, you know, with those Team USA groups and, and a lot of guys who are on the select team, this is what we want, right? Team USA action is physical. We would just want you to play really hard defense and fight like hell on the glass. And Torrey Craig did that perfectly, right? He remembered how, what, how good he was at that. And he said, that's kind of what we want him to do for the Pacers this year, right? So Craig has been a, a boon for them on the glass, both not even just grabbing them, but just being physical, right? Making it harder. And then Duarte is a pretty good rebounder for a guard in terms of his anticipation and leaping skills. Isaiah Jackson too, to a lesser extent, uh, just because of his length and athleticism has been good on the glass. So uh, they're getting a little more out of their new guys on the glass. They're clearly making a little more of an effort 
uh, to get offensive rebounds in a way that they haven't in seasons past. They they have at least in two of, I don't have the Knicks box score up in front of me, but at least in their last two preseason games, out offensive rebound to the other team. That's a nice way to get easy points in offensive rebounds per game in the preseason. They're 11th at 11, um, but really their defensive work, cleaning up on that end, their top 10 in defensive rebounding. That's wonderful, right? That, that's something they've struggled in, an area they've struggled in that you know, there is a skill to it. And, and rebounding is becoming less important. Just a, a lot of studies can show you what you can do uh, to mitigate rebounding, not necessarily being your team's strong suit, but it's still important. You know, the, the game is points per possession. And if you're maximizing possessions, or limiting the other team's possessions, that's a good thing. And that's something very positive we've seen from the Pacers so far throughout the preseason. 11th in assists per game. They're just, they're, they're, you know, we, you've watched them. You've seen it. They they whiz it around. They really try to share the ball from guy to guy. Uh, turnovers are a bit concerning, also high in that. But again, a consequence of, of passing a lot is going to be those turnovers. And, you know, they're a new team. They have a new coach. They're learning a new system. They don't have all the timing elements down yet in a way that other teams might at this point. Uh, in their growth process, so not super surprising that they would be, uh, you know, have that margin of error built into their turnovers, but also just because of the way they're playing, uh, it's something noteworthy. Uh, steals, 19th, 8.3 per game. I don't think they'll be a really good steals team this year outside of McConnell. They don't have anyone that is re it's really going to blow you away to me in the steal department. Maybe Duarte gets there as an off-ball uh, menace, but uh, I don't think there'll be a that, – that's not a stat that you really – panic about unless you're near the top or the bottom uh blocking they have miles turner they have isaiah jackson they're fourth in the league per game at 7.3 that makes a lot of sense as well given their personnel even sabonis has been playing well patrolling the paint on defense so far this season now that he's not running around quite as much on that end of the floor so just statistically i think we've seen carlisle tweak some of the stuff that was kind of the low hanging fruit to make the pacers a tiny bit better uh, which is good that, that the obvious changes are really good, right? Okay. We're going to be a little better on the glass because some of that's an effort thing, but some of that is a stylistic change I can make that the old coach wasn't doing that will allow my team to be a little better. Oh, okay. Our defensive seems scheme sucks. Let's move some of these guys around a little bit so that we can be a little better on that end of the floor, you know, get some more blocks, get some more rebounds so we can play the offense on a play, which is a lot of transition hit aheads, stuff like that. Right. I think Carlisle's already showing it, it, both in the stats and in the game film, the way he wants to play. And we're seeing statistically just, just how that is. Uh, a little up-tempo team. 12th in shots per game, which isn't really an advanced stat telling you how fast they're playing, but that means they are shooting a lot every game. And, and combined with their high-ish turnovers, you know that, that shows you how many possessions they're getting, how quickly they're getting it up and moving around the court, right? So Carlisle's really putting his stamp on this team, and, and he's addressed the the obvious things that, that a lot of fans last year were like, if they changed this, they could just be a lot better, uh, et cetera. So it's good on him for doing that. And it, it's cool to see those stats manifesting now. And, and ideally again, we've, especially with shot profile specifically, I don't want to get too into the weeds on this kind of stuff, but preseason stats can tell you a lot about your team and how they're going to play in the regular season. How, Bjorkren tricked us last year because the Pacers shot like 43s a game in the preseason, and that did not translate at all. But that is a, more of an outlier than the truth uh, for these preseason stats. So we'll see if any of that stuff carries into this Cavs game. We've, again, we've already seen it once, so we, we have a pretty good idea uh, as viewers of what we're going to see from you know, the Pacers on the glass and, and, and defensively and stylistically and stuff like that. But any changes, any adjustments could reflect in those stats as well. So just stuff to watch out for uh, in this game. But Let's take one more break and talk about roster cuts 
It's the last time we'll probably be talking about this. Actually, it totally is because Pacers will have to make these moves over the weekend. They legally cannot carry more than 17 guys starting on the 18th. So let's talk about it. But first, let's talk about two great groups of people. First up, the good folks over at Theragun because you are letting the stress of daily life weigh in your body. Don't do that anymore. Whether you're an athlete or someone like me just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. It's a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using their signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out an injury or just the stress of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The old OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. They're trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on. Therabody.com slash locked on. And of course, it's locked on pacers. I gotta talk to you guys about the great folks over at Bill Bar. They are making the best tasting protein bars out of the market. They are 100 percent covered in chocolate, so they're very sweet and delicious, soft, easy to chew. They have so many flavors. The texture of these things matches their flavor. And I've hated protein bars my whole life until I had Built Bars. And I love protein bars. And I order them all the time and bring them to work every day as a part of my lunch. My favorite flavor is the new cookie dough one. But they also have double chocolate cookies and cream peanut butter brownie that are really good. Uh, and some healthier fruit flavored options as well. There's so many to try. There's also a mixed box where you can get two of each of their nine most popular flavors. So not only... Our Built Bar's delicious and full of variety. They're really healthy too, right? Calories are ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar. Get it at 17 to 18 grams of protein and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Tons of flavors, all tasty, all healthy, and the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. You got to try it out. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your order. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Welcome back to... The Locked On Pacers podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen today. Roster cuts, sad thing that has to happen at the end of preseason. And we got to get to those. And I think it's been pretty, I think it's become pretty cut and dry for the Pacers because of how their preseason has shaken out, right? We thought before preseason, the big thing to watch was going to be, can Keelan Martin play good enough to, to cement a roster spot over a third point guard? And Keelan's played all right in his minutes to his credit. He's looked fine in practice. Shot the ball well against the Cavs, like he always does. And he plays the wing, which now, given their injuries, is helpful for him. But the big change to that line of thinking from before preseason to now is they traded Sumner away, they freed up a roster spot, and they brought in Brad Wanamaker. That is now their third point guard. So now Keelan doesn't have to beat out a third point guard to make the roster. The Pacers can have that third point guard in Wanamaker and keep Keelan. So the, the calculus of how they keep these guys has shifted a little bit, right? They don't need to convert a two-way guy to a point guard spot anymore if they really like Wanamaker. They don't need to, you know, keep an Exhibit 10 guy on the team and, and cut Wanamaker if they really like him. Like they, they can just have their team if that's what they want. And I don't think they would have made the Sumner trade if they didn't think that was going to be their final plan. But they didn't commit any money to Wanamaker. He got an Exhibit 9 deal, which just means it's a one-year minimum contract. No money is guaranteed. 
still gets paid if he makes the team, obviously. But if he gets hurt prior to the start of the season, they can cut him without penalty uh, or with a very minor penalty. Whereas, you know, if you get injured without an Exhibit 9 in your deal, the team's, you, you, you're covered. You, you still get paid by the team. So that, big, that was the big shift. For the Pacers this season is uh is or this preseason excuse me is that they made that trade and they shook up their non guaranteed guys and structure on their team. So what does that mean for this? Well, Nate Hinton and Terry Taylor. I want to start with those two guys. Terry's only played in one. Terry Taylor's only played in one preseason game. That very first one against the Knicks played the final five ish minutes. Showed exactly what he's good at. Right, he's really good on the offensive glass, put backs. It just has a nose for the ball, but. It didn't look like from the start of camp to now they really had a plan for him to be on the Pacers or compete for a spot on the Pacers. You know, everyone with an Exhibit 10 technically is competing for a spot on the team, but just given how little they've played him in preseason and the little buzz we've heard uh, from or about him at practice, excuse me, I don't, I don't really think he ever really had a shot to be a guy competing for any sort of role with the real Pacers. So he's probably one of the guys getting waved and then Hinton is the other one who... They brought him in. He had that relationship with Carlisle from last year in Dallas, and uh, he, he played okay uh, in his lone appearance as well against the Knicks. So I think he got in as well like, in the Cavs in their second game. He did fine. Nothing really standout-ish, nothing really bad as well. But same situation where we haven't heard any buzz of, you know, this guy's really impressing me, or he's not getting all these minutes that make you think that they really want to keep him or anything like that. So before even camp started, it was seemed pretty obvious those two guys would be Two Exhibit 10 cuts who reports the Mad Ants uh, play well for the G League team, get a big bonus, and have an opportunity to be the guy who, you know, every year the Pacers seem to call someone up from Fort Wayne for a 10-day deal or something. You know, they're, they're competing to be that guy, to have that chance to come up to the Pacers and show what they can do. Uh, but the other thing that was was a, a storyline for the cuts was Kiefer Sykes. And he actually, you know, there was reporting in the Indy Star that they liked him, and he was really good in their last three summer league games. I think he had a podium game in all three, right? He talked to media, talked to us three straight games, which is impressive, and he was very good at controlling the game. His defense was good for his size. So before the Wanamaker acquisition, the question was, can Sykes play good enough to impress in a way that makes you think, okay, they would rather keep him as the third point guard and cut Keelan. But now they have Wanamaker on the team. And so when they added Wanamaker, the thought for me was kind of like, okay, are they going to keep you know, can Sykes outplay Wanamaker to make the team? And I think that was kind of what the team was thinking at that point too. But it seems like Carlisle really value. You know, Carlisle has said this. He really values point guards who have played professionally a ton before, especially in the NBA. He really values that experience. They can read the game at a level that guys with no NBA experience can't, even if they might be good. And Wanamaker and Sykes are both experienced players, tons of overseas experience for both. But Wanamaker has those three years of NBA experience already. So I think that Carlisle favored that from the jump. And then I think any sort of guys of competition for those guys competing for the spot kind of came and went uh, in this last preseason game against the Grizzlies where Wanamaker was in the game in the first quarter, right? Clearly a part of the rotation they were running for that game. That doesn't mean he will be when the regular season starts, but he has been in the preseason. And he ended up playing 26 minutes in that game. Six rebounds, two assists, four points. Nothing crazy on the stat sheet, but not, played fine. Played 26 minutes. Kiefer Sykes did not play at all in that game, right? So it seems pretty obvious. Unless Carlisle really wants to see if, if Wanamaker can do a certain thing or something like that, it seems pretty obvious that he values Brad Wanamaker more than Kiefer Sykes, and that might be what that comes down to. That was the real battle 
was who could get that spot. And it's still possible the Pacers keep any of those three Exhibit 10 guys, Sykes, um, oh my gosh, Hinton and Taylor uh, over Keelan or Wanamaker in theory, but it seems like it's kind of straightened itself out the way it could go. Now, the other consideration for this, the two A guys could be converted to like a, a regular season non-guaranteed deal and then someone's converted to a two-way or something. Uh, nothing from Dejan Juro or Dwayne Washington makes you think they're worthy of a roster spot. None of the Exhibit 10 guys, maybe Sykes, uh, have merited two-way consideration. To me, I'd rather go with the young guys for the two-ways most of the time anyway. I'd understand going with a somewhat older guy for a two-way, like 26, 27. So Sykes could be in a conversion mix, I guess, but I, I think they'll just stick with what they have with the two-ways. So the only kind of consideration to me with cuts is I think it's kind of cut and dry. They'll cut the three guys that have Exhibit 10 deals right now, expecting those guys to play with the Mad Ants. Maybe they bring in one or two Exhibit 10 guys and immediately cut them. You're allowed to do that. Whatever. But I think that is pretty cut and dry. The consideration here is Keelan Martin still to me. And it's not because he hasn't, you know, he was good at the end of last season. I, If he's your 15th guy on your roster, that's fine. The Pacers are already down two, maybe three wings if Levert's not ready on opening night. Like, they're one, one ankle twist away from Jeremy Lamb or Chris Duarte or Torrey Craig or whoever from, like, okay, Keelan's suddenly playing or, like, is very close to playing. So his role is a little bit important. But remember, his contract guaranteed it has been pushed back two times this offseason. And now it guarantees the night the regular season starts, right? So that is um, next week. And it's fully guaranteed right then. And that's probably fine. You know, it's only $1.7 million. But the Pacers in their close situation to the luxury tax, I bet they want Keelan Martin to once again push his guaranteed it back to maybe even just December 1st so he can be on the market when the league-wide guaranteed it comes down. Or maybe even the league-wide guaranteed it itself so he'd be non-guaranteed the entire season until that time. And... That's obviously what the Pacers would want. They want everybody to be non-guaranteed. They'd have unlimited flexibility. And I get why Martin would say no at this point. The season's about to start. But, you know, if the difference for him is if he if maybe the Pacers can just say this, right? Keelan, we like you. We think you're going to be the 15th guy on this roster, but we want you to push your guarantee date back. If you do, you'll make the team. You'll get paid, right? Because the way guys get paid is they on minimum deals, they get paid a prorated amount for every single day of the season. I think it's like 170 something days. And so it's their salary divided by that amount, and it's daily increments of how much they should get paid. So, or for their cap hit, that's how it is. I don't know how the actual checks are delivered, but um, so for Keelan, just making the team, even if he's non guaranteed, he gets paid, right? So that's better than not getting paid. So even pushing back his guarantee date just to make the team would probably be worth it to him if the Pacers strong arm him in that way. I'm not saying they will, but they could just say, we're going to cut you if you don't push your date back. And that is the only thing I can see maybe changing the projections of who gets cut from the Pacers and who doesn't is if Martin's camp doesn't go for that. If they, they say, no, we want the full deal guaranteed. But maybe the Pacers are okay with that. You know, they have the space now that they traded away Sumner. Or they have a little more space from the tax now that they traded away Sumner. But, you know, I think ideally, I think the most likely outcome is Martin pushes his guaranteed date back again and ends up making the 15-man roster starts the season with the team, and then for him, it becomes a storyline of, okay, can he outplay or can he prove he's worth more to the Pacers than Brad Wanamaker during the season? Because then when the league-wide cut-down date comes, both of those guys will be non-guaranteed, and if the Pacers want to open a roster spot, they could cut Wanamaker, keep Keelan, roll on, right? That'll be the battle for the first three months of the season. But And again, now, now that's an option. Now that Keelan Martin could 
outplaying Brad Wanamaker is all he has to do to make his full money. Maybe he's willing to push his date back, more willing to because of that. So he's the only guy that I think has a not obvious uh, resolution for the next week. I think it's pretty clear who the rest of the roster is going to shake out and how their contract's going to look. So that's the only thing to watch over the weekend. Who gets cut? What kind of dates shift around? I'll try. I'll do my best to get that info as soon as I can. But yeah, it's going to be fun to see the Pacers close out their preseason against the Cavs tonight. I'm excited for real games next week, though, that actually mean something. And uh, we'll see really how Carlisle favors these guys. But it's been fun to cover actual basketball games. Thank you guys a ton for tuning in today. Everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. And we'll see you on Monday to preview regular season basketball.